Another week that probably brings more questions than answers is Bob Bradley's Toronto FC go winless in their first three games of the season. My name is Mitchell Tierney, and on this week's edition of Waking the Red Week, we presented by Footy Talks. We'll chat three at the back, JMR, second halves of doom, Canadian championship draw, and plenty, plenty more. No Michael Singh this week. He's at BMO training ground. So if we're super, super lucky, he'll join us for a little update. But he was complaining a lot about the snow outside of the training grounds. The odds we see him brave that are pretty slim at the moment but uh <laughs> of course that leaves the two of us jeffrey p nesker no mike to to keep us in check this week what tangent are we going off on to start this week's show so many so many let's talk about uh about this hotness i uh i had a uh, present from oh, wow uh, a pan from- yeah, yeah, yeah. I had, a, I had a present from from our from one of our super fans, Nikos. Um, the kit that I've always wanted. It's uh, one of my grails. It fits like a dream. I'm so, I, I love it so much. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, what better way to uh, to make it in this in this world than to start getting uh, start getting fans of the show uh, help you out finishing out your grail kit collection? I think that's uh, that's pretty fabulous. Uh, you know, eventually maybe somebody will give you something. <laughs> I mean, if anyone has any sleeveless kits, particularly the Cameroon one, uh, <laughs> true, please, true, uh, please bring that forward. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, how many times did you practice that pan before we uh, started the show? That was pretty smooth. Oh my god, Mitch! So many damn times, and <laughs> and and uh, it's my new laptop, so so the camera works yeah. as opposed to the old one, where if I had even bothered jostling it, we would have had a situation where I would have had to log out and back in. So uh, yeah, it's it's perfect timing, perfect timing for everyone. That would have um, been amazing but, on a two-person show. Just yeah, yeah. Just you would have seen me freeze yeah. on the pan and then just disappear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's get started, buddy. Uh, sure. uh, you know, I think I think we need to preface this because you were on you were on our spaces on the Tunnel Club. Uh, uh, following thanks, Axis of Evil. Following the uh, oh, I better qualify that. He said New Jersey, new haircut, looking good, <laughs> Jeffrey, and you know that that's fabulous. Uh, it's probably a time to shave my beard pretty soon, but you know, that's going to take a little bit longer, a little bit more energy. Um, you, you, you worked on the Twitter spaces. Uh, I listened and produced the Twitter spaces and we've been saying this now for three weeks going. And if you, if you go on MLS.com, if you go on any of the, uh, the, the You'll sites find and a, podcasts, a website. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I'm getting at is, is this, is this idea no, that tfc the the TFC, yeah the, oh yeah you'll get it right right yeah. right um <laughs> you'll get you'll get basically the same um paragraph or sentence which is you know the tfc fan base is demands excellence mm-hmm. and it's not really the season for that it's certainly at this juncture and and i think we need to open for with that because obviously we're going to talk about the loss to the crew uh at the weekend we're going to talk about a tale of two halves we're going to talk about all of that fun stuff but i think it's important that that we stress this that that in a very profound way we should have had this rebuild in 2019 but we didn't we mm-hmm. rolled we rolled the dice uh we ran again um, we papered over a lot of cracks and we ended up in an MLS cup final again. Um, COVID exacerbated the situation in terms of the disunity of the club, in terms of um, putting into sharp relief uh, issues that may have already were, 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 you know, faded to manifest in one way or another. But it's, it's important, you know, we sound like a broken record, you and I, and, and pretty much everybody in TFC land when we preach, we preach, patience and we're going to do it again i mean this is this is basically going to be another whole uh hour and so of us preaching patience again 
So I think it's important to put it into context. Would you agree? Like that some of these takes uh, are, are they're starting to sound a bit Atlanta United, uh, a little bit <laughs> Seattle Sounders, right? Um, we're not, you know, soccer is not a sport where you can kawaii it, it out. Like you can't just hire, you know, one free agent, you know, a Lorenzo Insigne and expect to, to take the league uh, by storm. We tried it once with Sebastian Giovinco and we had 2015, which is what we might get this year. Um, so I think it's important to be measured here because, you know, the, remember 2017, we had a pretty slow start, Mitch, and people were calling for Vanny out and that was our winning a season in club history. So <laughs> it's, it, you know, it, it sounds like we're, we're being apologists for losing and nobody likes to lose, but I do think it's really important to, to have a certain modicum of patience here um, as we blood out our team. You know what I'm saying? Well, even on the Kawhi point, like there was the years of DeRozan before that, who led them yep. to multiple first, second round exits before they finally got over that hump. So there was all those building years as well. So it's even, even if you want to use that example, like there's still the years of building that went into um, the, the big transformational franchise moment that we all obviously remember for them. Yeah. And yeah, I, I fully agree. I mean, the fan base seems to be very divided right now. There's those who um, are, you know, kind of in our vein, preaching the the patience and, and measured. And there's those who obviously, and, and I think it's fair enough considering last season and all the losses and they just want to see this team win again. And I mean, you know, sports, <laughs> sports at the end of the day are, are entertainment. Um, so, mm -hmm. you know, this, this side hasn't been particularly entertaining over the past couple of years. So I can fully commiserate with a lot of people who want to enjoy watching Toronto FC again. And, um, yeah, that just, that I guess, I guess case. my, my question is this, and, and I got to get Chris Fung shot in where he said, does Jeff actually know the DeRozan example? I had to think about it for a second. I do know he's a basketball player. I also want to interject, Mitch, I can't believe he didn't go in for a, for a Toronto Maple Leaf shot talking about how they spent, you know, millions upon millions of dollars and still can't get past the first round of the playoffs as another example. Um, there it's, 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 un, it's, 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 it's patently insane to expect a sports team to win 100% of the time, right? Mm -hmm. um, nobody does. And, uh, I mean, you know, especially, yeah, fine, but they still have, they still have swings and, you know, there was yeah, a period in between yeah. there. There, um, I mean, look at, look no further than Barcelona or, mm -hmm. or, or PSG not being able to, to get a Champions League uh, match. MLS is a league built for parity. Um, and that means that it's even more, it's even more profoundly difficult for a team to engage in that kind of dyna that dynasty and whatever. And we are coming off two very difficult years. So the expectation, um, that we're just going to massacre the league again is very, very short sighted. I, I, I'm excited about the year, but, but, you know, like many people, uh, that I'm sort of gravitating to on the social medias that are, that are preaching a sort of more measured take, it's about the process. Um, you know, and I, I might posit, have we ever actually really done a rebuild, uh, a full stand up and tour, whatever, Chris Fung, that's not happening. <laughs> uh, uh, do we need, do we need, oh, there goes my, uh, my fire alarm. Do we need a, anyway, I'll let you talk for a second, Mitch. You go fair, say something. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I mean, yeah, like, 
like thinking about the the rebuild in general um and and everything like one of the one of the takes that i saw prevalent on twitter that was interesting to me was the fact that this team doesn't have enough of those middle roster players to to fill out the side um which is was very evident i think in this this past weekend's game and you know who they brought off the bench who um who i guess yeah the the options that bob bradley had but again when we're going to rebuilding a roster the first guys they go to are should and should be those big players they brought in their insigne this offseason they brought in their salcedo they got the designated players signed up and obviously they didn't have as much time to go into the the nuts and bolts of the roster and, and find some of those middle guys i think uh, Jesus Jimenez is clearly showing as as one of as a good example of someone who they might be able to continually bring in um, to, mm-hmm. to help out the guys. But I mean, think about the the major rebuild for Toronto FC as the, the fire alarm continues to disrupt us. I mean, you you get your Altador, Javinko, and Bradley done, and then you bring in your Moore and Beta Shore and Irwin. Like you need those frames of reference for the roster first, and I think that's an important thing to to remember in terms of how this team's being put together. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this window is giving us um, a real, a real opportunity to blood these young players in a way Mm -hmm. that we've never really had before. You know, people were screaming for it in the, in the sort of weird middle section in between uh, uh, Armas getting canned last year and, and Habi being, an interim non-interim right that was what we were mm-hmm. screaming for but there was there was skin in the game you know we still had the canadian championship to 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 sort of fight for and and there was no real you know this this feels much more profound mm-hmm. and we're seeing um I, the brutality that i that i think we all wanted from bob bradley i mean uh, you know you have it right here on the on the uh, rundown talking about the starting eleven, and we all were very concerned when that <laughs> when that starting eleven dropped uh, uh, in advance of the uh, of the game on the weekend. Mm-hmm. I mean, not not the least of which was the fact that there were three goalkeepers listed. You know, there were two on the bench and and, and one between the sticks. Yeah. Um, you know, it 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 shows that there is that that Bob is is willing to make some really tough choices with respect to who he trots out on the field and and who gets consistent starts mm-hmm. um maybe 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 take me uh take me back to that moment what were you what were you thinking when that lineup dropped i mean i know what you were thinking but but the rest of our listeners what what were you thinking yeah i mean the the first thing that stood out to me was he was finally trying that three at the back that um, we've been we've been talking about for a long time as the three center back most negative <laughs> yeah <laughs> but to be fair it's not like it's negative if you consider it a back five but if mm-hmm. it does it functions in the way we expect it to function and allows those fullbacks to be marauding and attacking like the the design is for them to be um then it's not really def- like defensive at all then it actually allows those guys to be more forward thinking so I mean, that was the first thing that stood out to me. And again, uh, there's been a lot of talk about Bob Bradley being inflexible for some reason through three games because we can decide he's inflexible through three games. Um, mm-hmm. And this was a sign that he's willing to try new things. And this is this was a clear, uh, clear and positive example of that, I think. And this is something mm-hmm. I'm hoping to see again this weekend when Salcedo comes in because it definitely 
definitely helped them through that first half. But I mean, after that, yeah, there was definitely some concerns as to how many young guys were in the lineup. Uh, you yep, know, this, yep. this, this, again, it was it was first uh, actually no, it was first concern that uh, as to who those center backs were. Then, yeah. oh, they're playing three of them. That's good. And one but, of them's going to be Michael Bradley. Uh-oh. Yeah, one of yeah, them is Michael yeah. Bradley. One of them is Caden Chung playing his first ever game as a center back, to our knowledge. Yeah. And the other one, obviously, is McNaughton making his um, MLS first start. So, yeah, I mean, that that, that was my were my main takeaways. I mean, in addition to that, it was, well, what's happening to our center back corpse? Like, uh, you know, where's, where's O'Neal? Mm-hmm. And I mean, he's on the bench, but why isn't he starting? And where's Chris Mavinga? Of course, we found out later, I think within 20 to 25 minutes of the lineup dropping that he took a knock in training, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, <laughs> <a shot>. <laughs> whenever, <laughs> whenever, whenever you hear knock in training uh, this early into a TFC season, uh, you're, I start getting hives again. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah, you know, it was. It, 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 I'm looking at the lineup here. The graphics amazing, but uh, it it was a little bit of a shock to the system to see that get trotted out so early in the season. Uh, we've got we've got a comment from Will Dunn. I'll just read it out. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the wrong one because Chris (laughs) put one in. Uh, After the horrid season last year, I think TFC fans are frothing at the mouth for some success. Hard to blame them. The last two losses are tough, but the whole realm of things should be expected. Patience is required. So he's basically parroting what we're saying. Um, And, you know, let's just get into it because we're parroting what he's saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And uh, Chris is saying, look, uh, this team is so young that it's hard to sustain a high level of play. It'll take time for them to learn how to play with the lead and put teams away, which is mm-hmm. a very, very fair statement. And, uh, and then we've got miles Bartlett. Who's a, who's a new, and I don't think we've ever put one of his quotes up and it's almost like a bunch of people who have just picked their favorite teams growing up. Surprised they choose Man U, Barca, Madrid <laughs> now have a local and learning what being a supporter really means. I mean, that language is a bit aggressive, but, but I would agree with you. Um, it, you know, uh, it's it's easy to to when you don't you know when it's not your local team you know it's easy to gloss over the bad times and just remember the good times right I'm sure there are a lot of casual fans of Toronto FC that only remember the championship parade and Sebastian Giovinco but when you're in it like we are you know you tend to remember some of the crappier times uh, in tandem and so yeah it just you know in the it, it, it's a it's a matter of you put you get what you put out uh, you get what you put in and you know we're putting a lot of energy into tfc so naturally we're going to be more um upset when we don't get get our our, our comeuppance from from that uh, uh influx of energy or whatever the hell i was just saying <laughs> <laughs> um let's get into it so for me when i caught the uh when i caught the lineup in addition to the concerns i mean obviously the first thing that screamed out to me was uh starts for the two cpl boys and mm-hmm. uh, as someone who's a massive, seven massive Canadians fan of the league, seven Canadians in general, did we ever find out if that was a record? I know there was some uh, back and forth between our, our friend Martin Bailey and some of our, our favorite Twitter people, but I don't think there was ever a, a, a an answer as to whether that was a TFC record or an MLS mm-hmm. record. It's certainly a lot for an MLS yeah. game. It's not a, not a can champ game. Uh, <laughs> stop it, Chris. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I was excited to see the CPL boys uh, get trotted out for their first starts. Of course, once I started doing the process of elimination and realized that they were putting Caden Chung in as a center back, I was starting to to worry. <laughs> um, 
And, you know, I did the game thread and I was pretty pessimistic. I think I threw out a whole lot of pessimistic tweets and, and the game thread itself was a lot of posts about how we were about to get schooled by Columbus, et cetera, et cetera, ad infinitum. And then the first half happens mm-hmm. and we weren't. We looked fabulous out there um, in in a really profound way. I mean, like you were saying, that that three at the back allowed our fullbacks the time and the space to get up and down the pitch and, and and cause havoc. It kind of unclogged the midfield and and allowed for a way less uh, central game because our midfield was getting uh, oh there's Mike saying our 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 in our our midfield was getting uh, 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 sort of massacred in the first two games. And uh, we actually got a really nice goal as a consequence. What were your thoughts on the first half, Mitch? Yeah, I think uh, I think again we we're talking about the three backs and and the width that provided Toronto FC. It just frees up Pozuelo to do Pozuelo things. Like it allows him a little bit more space now that there's these threats out wide. And I think that's that's going to be a key going forward because we obviously know how important Pozuelo is going to be to this first half of the season. Toronto FC need him to be on the ball. They need him to be on the ball in dangerous situations. And look, you get him on the ball in a in a good spot out wide, perfect cross, 1-0. Um, a couple of other opportunities where you get him in the ball in good areas and should have been 2, maybe even 3-0 at, at some points in that first half. And we can talk a little bit about uh, them not finishing their chances there. But I, I think uh, I do think that, yeah, that that wider approach is is going to pay dividends through the midfield and especially in terms of Pozuelo, who, again, is just so critical to everything this team does offensively. Now, this doesn't concern you because obviously we saw Paws playing in a freer role that he's used to, which mm-hmm. suggests that maybe the experiment of Paws with more defensive responsibilities as a kind of hybrid 8-10 has already been uh, uh, categorized as a failure. Would you agree or disagree with that? Again, three games. So I don't know if I, I agree with that just yet. I think they're they're trying different looks in, in that midfield. And obviously when you take Bradley and put him as a center back, you're... Um, you're opening up up another spot there, and they Truth. figured Akello would uh, would play there. And I thought he wasn't he wasn't terrible. He didn't have his best performance, and obviously, no, you know, Prizo wasn't wasn't great either once he came on. But again, that's someone coming back from a pretty major injury. So uh, again, our word of the day: patience with <laughs> with Ralph Prizo as he works through that. Um, but yeah, no, I'm not too concerned. Uh, I think we'll I think we'll continue to see Pozuela tried in different spots. Okay, but try. I mean, you're not you're not concerned at all. Like because again, the, the on the box for Bob Bradley is a certain brutal adherence to his own tactics because they've been proven time and time again to work, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and let you know, let's forget about his his you know staunch uh, adherence to a four three three because it's it's a lot more uh, uh, permeable than that. But but you know, this is an example. And again, small sample size early in the season, but you can't not see this as an example of maybe Bob saying, eh, maybe on paper that was a good idea, but in practice, this guy's a pure 10 in a free roll, and and that's just the way we've got to roll with it. Do you see that as a positive or as or as a negative, or is it somewhere in the in the gray area background by which you're occupying on the community kit right now to all of you? <laughs> <laughs> um I think it's a positive. Like again, you want to your best players. You want to make sure they're in a position to succeed and they're in their their best abilities. And I think, um, you know, at this stage in his career, I think 
pause in MLS is probably best as a as a ten, and I think we're we're realizing that we were obviously excited again, very similar to how we were excited about the the eight Michael Bradley last year, and then that didn't quite work out. Um, we were excited about a more defensive Pozuelo to start this year, and you know I'm not sure that's going to work out in a midfield that's already lacking in let's call it transitional legs in, in general, like like speed mm-hmm. and anything like that. Uh, that's that's when I think you want him in that more offensive role. And again, Toronto FC, not particularly good offensively the past couple of years. You One of the few guys who's been proven to be consistently dangerous up there is Alejandro Pozuelo. Just keep him in that spot. You know, I'm, I don't think I'm, I'm doing my question justice, right? If Bob's a systems guy mm-hmm. and by and by week three, he's already capitulating to the roster that he has, right? Then how right were we by when we said Bob's the right guy for this squad, you know? And I, I don't like speaking in absolutes like that. All I am saying is that let's look at an example of, of another systems guy, and I, and I hate to use it, but let's look at like a Klopp or mm-hmm. a Pep, right? Or or even a, a, a Sir Alex, right, at, at the outset. They were they were so such systems guys that they that they and their fan bases were willing to suffer well not willing to nobody's willing to but their fan bases and their team suffered through seasons of it not necessarily working until it did right so are we okay with with stopgap measures understanding that this isn't the prem and you can't buy your way into a new squad and and that rebuilds are going to take a while and that you know our transfer windows especially the one the off-season transfer windows uh, tend to fall at bad times for the rest of the leagues, including Europe. So we're not, you know, we're not getting the pick of the the crop here in terms of players that we can bring in for free without unloading huge transfer fees. Um, are you okay with that? Like, it doesn't it suggest a certain uh, abandonment of principles that maybe we should keep our eye on as the season progresses. No, because I don't think it's I don't think it's like massively different. I don't think like again in the the fluid modern football, the three it was actually closer to a three four three than a three five two, which isn't okay. particularly different from a four three three. Like no, a lot of the time they were basically, especially defensively, playing in that fourth, you know, kind of Caden Chung would slide over that kind of four three three anyway. So yeah, I don't think it's a massive like difference uh, again I, I do think that to some extent you need to play to the players you have and play to their strengths and if you're gonna play attacking fullbacks like super attacking fullbacks you kind of need another defensive player back there especially when they're learning the role so I I don't see it as this massive departure from what he's been playing for the past couple of years I think it's a it's okay. a minor tweak considering what he wants to do with this Toronto FC roster okay so First half, everybody looked amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. Aside from that uh, unfortunate uh, uh, knee, what looked to be uh, right. a knee injury for for Jaquil Marshall Ruddy, um, pleased to say that that doesn't appear to be of any consequence, and he's back in full training. Uh, we would have thrown to the Mike Singh injury report had Mike Singh been here, but <laughs> I'll just I'll just bat- awfully segue that. Um, so good, good to hear that that wasn't as bad as it looked. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, you know, sub in what was it, Achara for uh for for uh uh Jack. Um what what were your thoughts on the first half? What what worked and what didn't work? And was it just that Columbus maybe expected to be able to to just massacre us through the middle and we and we maybe and we maybe took Darlington Nagby and his big bag of tricks out of the game? 
Uh, well, first off, we did get an injury report from uh, from Michael ah. Singh in the comments. Oh, there uh, it is. He says, uh, Iowa's training on his own alongside Chris Mavinga and Jacob Schaffelberg. I'd say he's at least a few weeks away. So there's a, there's an idea there. Like you said, JMR, thankfully, all right after what looked like it could be pretty bad um, yeah. coming out of that. But sorry, I missed – what was the original point again? What were we... Thought, thoughts on the first half. What worked, right. what didn't, and why do you think Columbus came out so flat in that game in the first half or looked flat to the to the eye test? Again, I think this is like part and parcel of a of a team that is going to play as incredibly possession based as Toronto FC is like um, you have to be certainly on at all times because again, when you're when you have tough transitional moments like they do, and obviously an inability offset pieces right now to to defend, and that's what that's what comes with having a new roster and and you know learning learning everything like that, but. With that being said, I think that when you hold that much of the ball and dictate play like that, like it does get tiring for the other team at some point. It will mm-hmm. throughout the season start paying dividends. I think um, to to you know once they get more and more of those players who can break down teams in the final third, and once we see some of these guys who are getting to those final moments and and maybe not putting together the the finished product, it's it's going to work out well. So yeah, I think it's it's what is going to happen in terms of learning with this process where a lot of the times they're going to come out and dominate teams. And it's just about holding that for a full 90 minutes. Well, Mike uh, brought in something else. That's really, really interesting. And he said, Chris Armas only MLS win last season was against Columbus. (laughs) TFC typically play well against Columbus's style of play. That's a, that's a really insightful comment. So what happened then? If, if, if that's the case and, and that first half was to be expected, not the delicious and delightful surprise that it was, what happened in the second half? Was it that free kick awarded on a very soft call that led to uh, uh, the equalizer that completely undid the team? Was it simply a motivation issue? I think it was like, again, especially with so many young players in the side, I think it was the difficulty of putting together a full 90 minutes and staying fully focused and and engaged through that full 90. And I think there's, uh, I don't like want to single out one guy because I think you can use this as a microcosm for the entire team. But sure. the guy for me was Jaden Nelson, where first mm. half he's running through everybody. I mean, this is a guy who on the ball looks incredible this season. He's so much more confident. He's beating guys for Agreed. fun. Um, obviously we'd love to see him put it together in the final third, but I think when you get into those positions as often as Jaden Nelson has this season, like eventually it's going to start coming off and he's going to start scoring and, and, uh, you know, getting some, getting some meaningful assists as well. But with that being said, uh, he's kind of at fault for both of those goals a a little bit. Like the first goal, he's got to close that down faster and with more commitment. And that's just turning off ever so slightly. And the, the second goal, I mean, look, everyone lost that man, but that was in theory, Jaden Nelson's man. I mean, if there's mm-hmm. one guy at the back post and five Toronto FC defenders, like you can't yeah. fully blame that on Jaden Nelson, but that was still his guy. So it's just, it, that's an example of these young players still learning their craft and um, over a full 90 minutes switching off for those, those minor moments is going to cost you. Now what, I mean, again, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty obvious, but I don't, I, you'll never find me on a soccer pitch, but you are there often. 
how easy is it to turn off during restarts? Like, is it just a matter of that, like you're running at that pace and then that two seconds where you're waiting for the whistle, you just suddenly like all the voices come in or you're catching your breath or, or whatever the case may be. Is it as simple as that to lose that focus during, during restarts and set plays? Yeah. Oh no, it's, it's pretty easy. Like, like especially on a new team where you're like not communicating, um, like that's what I'd say the biggest one was where you're not used to communicating with the other person. And like, I don't know, sometimes I'll implicitly turn to again, using my example. Mm. Yeah, no, no, please. That's why I asked. Yeah. You'll you'll implicitly turn to a teammate and think that they have someone covered. And then all of a sudden that guy will run off and your teammate will turn in a different direction. You're like, Oh shoot. That was me. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's, I think there's moments like that where, where, yeah, you just lose that bit of focus and sharpness. And again, it's just, it's simple things like turning to that teammate and being like, yeah uh this is my you guy. go there I'm, i go here go yeah, there. yeah yeah and and yeah again when you've got a, a back three obviously michael bradley we all know he's a great organizer and a great you know midfield general but again he's a midfield general generally yeah and they've got two young guys next to him so and alex bono again this is something i said on the spaces like he's not a particularly communicative goalie i was going to come um, back to that actually yeah, yeah. he's so I, I do think that's something that obviously in terms of those those moments of of switching off is is a factor right right i mean we had q in that a couple times last year and we still conceded on set plays <laughs> and, mm-hmm. he was, and he was screaming the whole time just just the way he should have so yeah that, that that's very interesting to me i can see i can see how that little maybe half second of of doubt between the training, you know, how are we going to defend this if he goes near post and mm-hmm. you just talking to your guys on the team and being like, everybody stay invested here. This might happen that, you know, they might do this and they might do that means that you may be caught totally out on, on these restarts. And it seems to be happening at a great frequency uh, for TFC. I wanted to flag um, this because another thing that we should talk about is that sub uh, yeah. subbing out Achara. And Nigel brought it up, and Michael's just as active in the comments as as Axis of Evil right now. But uh, Nigel says, "Thought we had more of an edge with Achara on the field, and we don't." And he doesn't quite understand why he was pulled so early. Before we get into Michael's answers, which includes quotes from Bob Bradley, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on on that sub? Because I thought it was weird as well. It, it's, I mean, he he came in for uh, uh, Jack. So, you know, he, he basically had like, what, 20, 25 minutes of, of game time between coming in early in the first half and then being subbed out. And it didn't no, it appear been that longer it was a fitness issue. Because Jack, okay. Jack was out within 12, but yeah. Okay. So, but, yeah. but, but still, it was weird that the sub got subbed. Um, so, so what were your, what were your thoughts on that? Um, my, my thoughts were basically what happened, which is like, if you're subbing on the Ralph Prizo from, a couple years ago or or last season, then that's a great sub. And, and you have a, you know, you have a guy who can help control that midfield, who would win the ball back better. Um, And, and yeah, just provide a little bit of spark in the middle of the park where they were getting absolutely dominated that at that point in the game. But you've Mm -hmm. got this season's Mm -hmm. Ralph Brizo, who again is just finding his legs and returning from injury. And meanwhile, Achara's, you know, putting a lot of pressure on, on their back line, um, making it more difficult for them to transition the ball forward and was a pretty key player through that middle part of the game. So yeah, I, yeah, I, I think again, I, again, I said this on the spaces, like it comes down to just the options he has on the bench. Like it's, it's not 
super ideal. <laughs> Again, you're not going to sub in one of those two goalkeepers. So <laughs> your options beyond that's pretty, uh, yeah, I, mean, yeah, I guess you could. Yeah. We've yeah. seen Q with the ball. Maybe he could fill in at, uh, at striker or something, hold up play, but I mean, yeah. other than the two keepers and, uh, and Shane O'Neill, everybody else got minutes, right? Preso mm-hmm. came in, Achara came in, Cozy Thompson came in and Peruzza came in. So yeah, yeah, it's, I mean, it does he, sound like O'Neill was, uh, was very much there to fill out the numbers like they weren't actually <laughs> going to use him he he's has some sort of uh injury situation so fantastic like i mean robert robert nailed it on the head for me uh, i was wondering if the achara sub was for fitness reasons because you know if he didn't have a minutes limit that substitution was puzzling he was very effective he was mm-hmm. direct he had pace at that point um, wasn't it one, one, and we were looking for a go ahead goal or was, or were we still up one? I can't remember when exactly he was subbed out, but it may have been when the, when the momentum had already started to shift in, in their favor. Um, Mike's answer is Bob Bradley on a Chara sub. That was tactical. I thought that we still with Ralph in there and then also in there with Ali, I thought we could do a better job of connecting more passes in there. Um, what is that? Oh, wait, there's more. <laughs> uh, and that was going to allow us to establish greater control. That was a pretty spectacular failure then. Would you agree? Yeah. Again, again I think uh, I think based on just where Prizo is at this stage, and it does make sense as an idea, though, in the sense that that is how Toronto FC, again, if you want to go back to the Bob Bradley system and, and what he wants to play this season, that is how Toronto FC wants to establish controls in game is have the ball and mm-hmm. be able to contain possession, keep possession. Very clearly, that was something that they ha- were having all kinds of problems with in that second half was they they couldn't connect passes at all um, throughout that game. So Prizo is a player that, you know, is in kind of the Marky Delgado role, slightly more vertical than Marky Delgado, can connect those passes and is good at keeping the ball. So in that sense, I think it does make sense. But again, um, you know, it's it's just the guy. Hindsight is in. always twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, it, and it sure as hell looked like they took the major attacking spark off the side <laughs> and then, yeah. you know, actually became negative and invited the kind of pressure. And uh, and, and then look what happened. Um so yeah, yeah. Uh, who was your man of the match? I I think still probably paused. Like uh, again, in terms of the the influence he had, and all of Toronto FC's dangerous moments essentially were made by Alejandro Pozuelo. I, I think it has to be him. But again, uh, we didn't get a full ninety from Pause. He he definitely switched off in that second half and had some really tough moments of, of not being able to keep the ball and not necessarily mm-hmm. tracking back in the best way. So um, yeah, I think again, man of the match and sums up the match. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Robert agrees with you. I, I would agree with you as well. Other than the fact that my eyes were entirely on the, on the CPL kids and they looked amazing in the first mm-hmm. half um, there. They had moments in the second half, but they obviously um, looked like they're, Looked like the wind kind of kind of came out of their sails a little bit, and that was that was entirely uh, a, a team a team based uh, uh, problem. Uh, mm-hmm. Michael saying Paws had five key passes, more than the rest of the team combined, and also led the team in tackles six. That is an interesting stat because um, the key passes, I mean, that's that's Paws being Paws, mm-hmm. but the tackles, uh, six of them. I mean, I opened up by saying we didn't see a lot of. Uh, defensive responsibility from pause and here we go the the stats don't lie he was first on the team 
So how do you like, how do you equate those two, those two poles? Like what's going on? Are our eyes deceiving us? Because it would suggest that they obviously are. I think he just needs more memorable tackles. Like I want him to make those tackles that get him suspended uh, a couple weeks. Yeah, later. yeah, yeah. Or the one that made you the one that made you squeal. It wasn't really a tackle as much as it was just a, a really nice bit of individual skill uh, when he came up the middle in that in that uh, MLS Cup 2019 and just undressed all of Seattle in, in one go. Mm-hmm. Um, Ivan is saying Petrasso or or he's uh, or Jesus Jimenez, and I think uh, who do you want to talk about first, Petrasso or Jesus? Um, let's, let's talk about Petrasso just cause he's been such a nice, pleasant surprise this season. I and know. I, I mean, to our, to our point, like Luca Petrasso is a guy that maybe doesn't even get a minute for Toronto FC this season. If they have, like, if they yeah. have a more stable, um, veteran laden roster. And now you're getting a player who looks like he could be a pretty consistent contributor for this team this season. And I mean, I, I said it on the spaces like Luca Petrasso is not a guy in terms of all of their kind of young player signings. There was a lot of players who I'd have ahead of Petrasso in terms of, you know, raw talent and, and ceiling. But there's some guys who just get to that pro level and just for whatever reason, when the level gets better, when the teammates around them get better, um, they have this that and I thought tactical, it was apt, yeah. the, the tactical smartness and and that ability mm-hmm. to to combine well with players and we've seen that i mean petrasso's guy who stepped in and instantly formed a connection with pozuelo and jesus jimenez who are obviously two of the most important players for for tfc um Truth. so far this season and yeah i've been incredibly impressed with with what he's brought and and what is that what is that if you if you had to give me an elevator pitch right you're mm-hmm. you're now luca petrasso's agent and you're negotiating his big mm-hmm. move to europe uh, how would you sell him to me? I think just like clean is, is what I'd say. Like compared to, hmm. we, we see a lot of the other young players who they'll have these flashy moments of brilliance and, and then, you know, not track back on a, on a set piece and, and lose sure, their player. Sure. Like Petrasso's the one who's just looked, he just looks like a pro, right? Like he's fit into the side. Yeah. Well, he's got good attacking instincts as well, where he, you know, mm-hmm make good runs of the box and, and layoffs and that sort of thing. So I think he's just, he's one of those players. And again, you need so many of these players in your team that will just give you a seven out of 10 every game, no yeah. matter what. Yeah. And, and Petrasso looks to all these young guys. To, well, again, he's played two games, so I don't want right. to, I don't want to go there, but through those two You're games. You're not building a statue yet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, these, I guess like the best way of putting it is this is a very repeatable performance. Um. You can see and him I would, doing this I, week yeah. in, week out. And I think that's that's important. And you can see him improving. You can see yeah. a pathway to maybe an 8 out of 10 or a 9 out of 10 mm-hmm. sort of sort of situation. Because he's pretty explosive. I mean, some some of his moves are of the ooh-ah, you know, variety, right? It's mm-hmm. he's not he's not invisible out there. I mean, this is why so much ink is being spilt on on Luca Petrasso. And would you say it's just luck that he seems to be shining brightest at this sort of early days, early stage where everybody's kind of messy or, or is that a reflection of the player, right? Does that, does that speak to his character and his skill and his ability that you can plug him in, in a situation such as this and and you get a solid seven out of 10? I think that, I think it's more to the latter. Like I do think that this will, this is a good, like a nice surprise for Toronto FC to have this Mm -hmm. season where they have a guy who, 
um, can fill in at multiple roles along that uh, along that kind of left hand side, and they they have a, a new depth player that they didn't think they had. So I think as as more solid players come in, like this is a guy who's shown he can fit in well in in multiple roles and will be helpful for this team. Now, why wouldn't he start over Shaf at this point? Uh, I guess experience at that point, like Shaf again, well, I think deserves to deserves to come back into the team considering what he did last season. Um, but yeah, no, I think, I mean, honestly, I think we might see them starting together more often than not for the first little bit mm. of the season. Obviously we know that, uh, that might not be the case going forward, but, um, yeah, no, I think, uh, I think Shaft still deserves a chance considering what he did last season and, and some of that upside he has in terms of his speed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Yvonne is saying Schaffelberg has lost his spot to be honest. Um, I don't think and anyone Michael lost is saying three games in a season. No, no, I don't either. I, and 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 Michael is saying I don't think TFC love Petrasso at left back, um, which is which is fair. Which is fair. Um, the fact that he's a two way player in a in a sea a young two way player in a sea of young players that are are adapting to new positions and seem to not at all be two way in any way, shape, and form at the moment mm-hmm. um, has opened up an opportunity for him. I think. Um, and again, I can't speak as to whether, as to where TFC see him, um, and, and as, as to whether they see him as a starter or, or a depth piece, but he has been very, very surprising. And to segue into another big surprise, let's talk about Jesus Jimenez, because I have really enjoyed watching this player, uh, up front for us. He's, he's crafty. He's tricky. Uh, he's very disciplined. His work rate is, is pretty fantastic. I didn't see him fade. I thought his body language was was absolutely terrific with respect to the second half where he was getting no service. I didn't think he was he was coming that far back as to make us lose our shape entirely. I do think he was chasing the ball a little bit, but to show me a number nine that isn't going to chase when they're not getting any service. Um, I wonder what what your thoughts on on Jesus is three three games in and of course the preseason uh, beauty goal. Yeah, I'd say first off, very, very good. Like I think I think so far this season he's been the most impressive Toronto FC player, no question, in terms of just consistently mm-hmm. being dangerous and and turning in good performances. What I will say is I think the more and more I see him and, and the, his long term w- role with this team, I think he's a wide player. I think that really? that's where he's going to operate best in, in this Toronto FC mm. side because I still think they need IO or someone like that who can just hold up that ball a little bit better and, and win some hmm. of those. The second half again, like I thought he did a solid enough job, but he's he's a guy who looks to quickly play the ball yep. off and, and turn it the other way, whereas someone like IO would maybe hold it a little bit longer, allow his team to get back into shape and and um, yeah, that, that pay dividends. Again, he did that very well. Like he wasn't losing the ball when he was making those quick moments happen, but sure, sure. But some of his teammates just weren't ready to to spring forward the other way, and then you know that that causes issues um, in terms of again what we saw in that second half where they continually got the ball just <laughs> thrown back at them. So I, I do think that probably long term he's he's a wider player for TFC. We'll see if if that actually ends up being the case. But again, nothing but good things to say for this. This uh, fills me with existential dread because for so long we had no wingers. And now it yeah. appears we have way, way too many wingers. Like, I mean, Yvonne That's is saying what happened to, to DeAndre. Is it? Is it? Because 
you know, this is a it's a salary cap league mm-hmm. parody. There's only 11 players on. Um, this isn't like the Canadian men's national team where you've got guys that are on the bench or or the Spanish national team, which I just read about in that in that awesome book. Uh, where, you know, bench players or guys that didn't get minutes were happy to not get minutes because they were there for the team spirit, right? This is, you know, these young guys want minutes and, 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 mm-hmm. and um, you know, now it seems like guys that, that were that are functioning just fine in the number nine, we're moving them over and throwing <laughs> guys that aren't getting minutes at all already even further down the depth chart. So, so, cause, because, you know, Achara, is is a yeah. winger that occasionally plays striker, and now Jimenez is going to be a, a striker that occasionally plays winger. Um, our wingers are being promoted to to wing backs and, and outside backs because we've got too many damn wingers and not <laughs> enough fullbacks. Um, it just it. I mean, it's 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 interesting because you know, had Greg if, if we could build a time machine and bring Greg Vanny to this squad in 2019, I think he'd explode. He'd be like, "Oh my god, I wanted wingers, and now all I have <laughs> is wingers." Um, <laughs> But but uh, but Yvonne raises a good point. What's going on with DeAndre Kerr? No idea. I mean, that's that's a bit surprising that he was a guy who Bob Bradley, you know, had highlighted throughout preseason and and put him in the roster. Um, not sure if there's an injury there. Was he even on the bench for no. the game against? No, he wasn't. So I'm no, not sure. He was not. Potentially, there's an injury there because again, this was a guy who we saw start throughout preseason and obviously started that first game of the year, and I. I don't think considering how much leniency Bradley's had with, yeah, I think he had a knock. Mike says he thinks he had a knock last game. Yeah. So considering, considering how much leniency um, Bradley's had with a number of the other young players, like I don't think 45 minutes is is enough to just discount Kerr. So I think we'll see him again. Yeah, I would, I should hope so. Um, Because I don't like what it says. Um, if, you know, a player, especially a young player that we're trying to blood has a howler or a mare of a half, and then they're just consigned to the leap in, right? That's a, that's a bit too brutal for me. Um, I'd like to see more. And, uh, I, I, I mean, he, he certainly didn't light the world on fire in that, in that 45 minutes that, uh, that we trotted him out for, but, uh, to, to, you know, put, put a, a rubber stamp on his career and, and send him off to the glue factory after, after 45 minutes is probably not smart either. Um, according to Michael, he was in full training again today, which is a, mm-hmm. which is a positive. Mm-hmm. Um, who didn't impress? I mean, you already said Jaden Nelson kind of fell no, off I, a cliff. I didn't think he, uh, again, I don't want to, I don't want to make that seem. I thought Jaden Nelson was, was better than, um, like uh, better than average. Like I still think he had a solid overall performance. I just wanted to highlight those mm-hmm. as kind of a, again, a microcosm of what happened to the sure, entire sure. team. Um, again, I didn't think Okello had the best game. I think I've been a little disappointed with Oso so far this season, to be honest. I don't oh, wow. think he's been up to his, his Canadian men's national team standard. And I think, I think that will take time. Like again, the midfield has looked different almost every game. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that Oso will will get back up to there at some point this season, hopefully. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I I don't think there was too many like brutal performances. I thought it was the best or like pretty good overall. But yeah, hmm. um, I guess those were those are two guys who have like the middle of the park wasn't wasn't great this game. Do you think this is going to be a problem for Oso? 
adapting to his different roles on the national side versus the club side. I mean, again, to quote from the Spain book that I just finished, that was an issue with with Xavi uh, between how he was expected to line up for Barcelona and how he was expected to line up for Del Bosque, Spain in the uh, 2012 Euro Cup. And it was a source of of much, much uh, issue with him as that tournament went on. Do do you think that that really can do a number on a player if they're not careful having to, to sort of be responsible for different things for club and country? No, because I think we see that a lot with what John Herdman requires of his players for sure. Country and they sure. come back in the club and, and their grades. So no, I think I've, especially Oso is a guy who's played multiple positions for, for a number of years. I wouldn't be too concerned about that, but it is something that you're, you're noticing just at the outset of, at the start of this season. Yeah, well, I just think the midfield in general hasn't been has been a bit of a weak point for TFC, and um, again, <laughs> Oso is uh, Oso is one of those guys who you're looking at as you know an above average MLS midfielder. So um, I think that I, I think mm-hmm. that's a guy who um, I, I would just like to see a little bit better from. Um, yeah. And your issue with Noble is that he's he's still kind of like a newborn deer out there. Sometimes, I mean the the. The size is is certainly a, a a benefit, but he just hasn't figured out his feet yet. Or is it that? Um, no, you said it much more eloquently on the spaces. You said that uh, that attacking he does everything that you want him to do, but defending is where you start to notice the faults in his game. I don't know if that was me, but um, yeah, I'll say I'll take credit for it. Um, yeah, no, I do I do think that you know, um, again, he's just he. He has those moments of brilliance, like you can see those nice touches from him. And there was a couple of mm-hmm. really good moments of linking up with with teammates. Really nice the, toe pokes. The game, very yeah, very nice but, toe pokes. Yeah. Um, as he as when Tronovsky's not in possession, I think he, I think he just loses his shape a little bit too much. And mm. you know, he's he's not that dominating player that you'd hope to see um, for for someone his size in terms of winning the ball yeah. back and and holding up the ball as well. Um, I think he, he could be a lot better at at holding onto the ball for long periods of time. Again, uh, when, yeah, he panics a lot when he gets yeah. when he gets possession. Yeah, yeah. yeah when when point. he can make those quick passes, which are great and which are going to pay a lot of dividends going uh, long term. And again, that's the strength of his game, but. You also have to, and we've seen Bradley how well he's done it for for years, and and again, sometimes in recent years, to the detriment of the team, is how long he holds onto that ball and how how much he's able yep. to to hold onto that ball. So that's that's a skill that I think Noble's got to learn. I mean, Axis of Evil, he's he's to type. He said it, mm-hmm. and and I wanted to bring it up, but I also don't want to cry. Yeah, Marky Delgado would sure look good, sure look goog. <laughs> no, mm-hmm. I mean, know what he means. Would sure look good in the lineup right now. Um, Marky's having a lights out season at, at Galaxy right now. I mean, again, small sample size, but what's his pass conversion rate like? Four hundred thousand percent, I believe. I read. And, yeah. yeah. Oh man, eighty-seven. Gosh, <laughs> goodness. Um, so Robert is saying, uh, Okello, credit should be given to a notable increase in fitness. Positionally, there's room for improvement. I think that's mm-hmm. what we're saying. We just want him to be that ball destroying six so badly you know what i mean i think you you look you look at the player and you're like oh my god if he can figure out like nobody is ever going to get past our midfield ever again like Mm -hmm. like if they keep it on the floor no it's just it's over for them and and i think that that's you know once again patience right Mm -hmm. i i i have faith 
that he'll you know how old is noble he's he's not he's what what is he now like 21 maybe oh god he's even younger than i would have guessed so yeah we can have faith yeah you gotta have uh you gotta have faith um will dunn is saying zavs will be lights out too uh 21 yeah michael is saying what about to chat with noble what kind of things do you want me to discuss with him uh, Mike, I would love you to ask who his favorite player is and who he models his game of, off. Just, just to know, you know, if he if he had his druthers, would he would he actually want to be a number six or does he envision himself a bit higher up the field, like a like mm. an eight or even a, even a ten? Um, how did you get so dang tall? <laughs> I don't know. If he, I don't know if he's going to answer that, Ryan. But yeah. you know, hey, there you go. There um, you go. Uh, one last go thing ahead, I'd Mike. say before before we move on, I think, and, and finish up with some sure. of the, the last few things we have quickly. Um, mm. Like one thing that I always kind of look at when I'm evaluating players is how they play against their peers as kind of their ceiling, right? And right. the last time I saw Noble do that, he's playing, I think, the U20s for Canada. Um, I mean, he was a he very was, dominant eight. He scored yeah. a couple screamers. Like this is a player who does have that offensive ability in his system as well. So that's, you know, that's, that's kind of what I look at in terms of evaluating guys. So I do think that he has that ability to play a little bit further forward too, that we might see hmm. in, in the future. Um, but yeah, that's, that's something to keep in mind in, in terms of, I mean, never forget Erickson Gallardo is back uh, with his Venezuelan mm-hmm. club and he scored two goals in two games. Yeah. So, you know, that could be a blessing and a curse, right? <laughs> Obviously at his, at his age level. And, and I think Gallardo to quote uh, one of my favorite waking the red uh, uh, quotes is a fully baked cake at this point, And, and mm-hmm. Noble Lokello is not, but uh, it can, you know, unfortunately, um, at his age group he's killing it but but again you know at at this level at this point in his career you know maybe maybe we're trying to blood him a bit too early and uh michael singh is saying julian dunn was the captain of that team and uh ivan is asking uh okello if he can play as pg what 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 position is pg he must have missed uh basketball point guard i think Oh, point guard. Okay, sorry. Another sport. I have no idea. No idea. Um, anyway, there's a lot of questions for Mike to ask him, so I'll, I'll stop talking to the chat. Uh, you want to close it out? What? What? What's your before we get into Canadian men's national team and uh, mm-hmm. or sorry, not not Canadian men's national team uh, can champ Voyagers Cup? What's your expectation for the game coming up this weekend? DC United. Back, yeah. back home at the barn, back in our barn. <laughs> Again, we bring up the spaces a, a lot on the show, so go back and listen to that. But uh, I think this is a, a massive game for Toronto FC. I mean, DC, um, kind of hard to say what they've been through three games this season. They have two wins, but they came against Charlotte and Cincinnati, and they really struggled to beat Cincinnati and then lost 2-0 to the Chicago Fire this past weekend. Um, the the things I'll be looking at, I think, is it's another tough defensive assignment. I mean, you've got Ola Kamara, mm-hmm. who's a well, well-known goal scorer in this league, and uh, Mikel Estrada as well, who's a very good um, attacker uh, yep. as well and a designated player. So, um, and Griffin Yao off the bench, who definitely introduced himself <laughs> to CSC he yeah, last true. season. But, uh, yeah, I think this is a big, big, big game because you've got the international break coming up, and if you can carry momentum into that, then that uh, makes this start to the season look a lot better. 
I, I, I like that you said massive game, but I'm wondering if we need to take that out of our vocabulary for this season. Like, are there actually any massive, massive games considering what our expectation for the season is and, and, and that we have to sort of lessen our, our expectations, you know, like, let, let's say we get blown out again. Is it, is it aside from the millions of hot takes that we're going to navigate on all the, on all the different social medias, is it the end of the world to go four winless at the at the beginning of this season considering where we're at considering where we need to go where we still uh, have to get to look i think that's that's the mentality that this club should be keeping internally like there no team should ever not like no team should be talking like we are <laughs> like we can be truth. the ones who are measuring truth and wow that's can, a very very good point mitch like we can be the ones who are that. preaching patience and and that sort of thing but internally mm. like these teams are like they want to go out and try this this TFC team, like they'll believe that they're gonna get Lorenzo Insigne and pull a Seattle. Like they're gonna win MLS Cup and and you know what? They want to be better than that yeah. Seattle team was at that stage in the season. They believe that they can. So um uh, as much as we're talking about this being a process, like internally, I think this team really is gonna want to get their first home win in fair know, sometime this this week. Yeah, fair. Fair, you're absolutely fair. Maybe I went too far in the patience, and now I'm all zen about everything, and I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm okay to lose to lose the whole season. Um, good point, uh, Aaron mm-hmm. Ginsburg. Shout out for the Canadian uh, women under twenties. They've qualified for the under twenty World Cup. Yep. Uh, what a run! And uh, yeah, I mean Canada and World Cups. It's just <laughs> it's just how we roll now, guys. Like yeah. we get into we get into all of them. Um, let me see 60. So Robert is saying 67 minutes of good and then uh, 30 minutes of, Oh God boys, hold it down. I think it'd be okay with that. If yeah. we had a half and change, maybe another 15 minutes of the second half of just total new school TFC dominance followed by squeaky bum time extremists. Uh, I think I'd be okay with that result. And if we, and if we struggle through a draw or even gasp lose again, I think I'd be fine with it uh, uh, mm-hmm. because you know, I didn't. I think I. I think I can speak for the fan base. Nobody expected that first half in that Columbus game, and that was a wonderful, wonderful forty-five minutes to be a TFC fan. I honestly think all... that, like that mm-hmm. first half, I think has added to the reaction to the second half because it was like, I think everyone was so fired up as to how well they played in that first half that once yeah. the second half happened, like everyone was that much more ticked off because they'd seen. They'd seen yeah. what Toronto FC looked seen a glimmer. Like. Yeah, a glimmer. Seen a glimmer. The, and yeah. then all of a sudden it was taken away from them. And yeah. we had that that kind of brutal second half. So, like, everyone's adrenaline was on a high. And then, obviously, you're going to get more ticked off when you see that second I half. I certainly so I, did. I think, yeah, yeah, I think that played into it a lot. Very, very, very fair. Very, very, very fair. And and I think your your shout for this this home game is is necessary. I think, you know, it, it probably behooves us to have that polite – gallows humor distance from the team moving forward especially for this first uh uh one third this first third of the season but yeah i don't want my team to have the same attitude as i do where they're just like yeah 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 we'll be fine whatever let's 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 just you know give it a good old college try so uh yeah so moving on well speaking uh, of home games toronto fc they won't be playing one for the first two rounds of the canadian championship oh, this year or at least the first round of the canadian championship as they got was- their draw 
coming out this week. Uh, obviously, Toronto FC getting a buy as they have for the past couple of years. They will play the winner of Guelph United and HFX Wanderers on the road, which I think all of us as like Canadian soccer fans in general are very excited about the, the so prospect exciting. of kind of the big bad in uh, Canadian club soccer having to go on the road to a Going on venue. tour. Yeah. Yep. Um, the other matchups in that first round, the El Clasico, we're going to see Calvary mm. play against FC Edmonton. We're going to see Forge take around, take on Montreal Outremont, who is the PLSQ champion. Uh, Vancouver, they're going to take on Valor and Atletico Ottawa against York United. CF Montreal, of course, the winners. And Pacific, they're moving on to the, the next round already. They get um, the bye, the bye yeah. with yep. GFC. Yeah, I mean, any, uh, obviously... The, I love this well, tournament. I yeah, love it so much. Well, HFX is the one we'll all be watching because uh, we'll we'll be there. We, yeah, we've got a hundred percent. Yeah, we agreed yeah, yeah, to, yeah. to be there at that match yeah. just because we have to. Um, and I, I'm telling you something: if if TFC advances, uh, I've I've wanted to go to uh, what's the name of this stadium in Halifax now? I can't. I think remember. there's the Wanderers uh, Ground. No. Yeah, Wanderers Ground. You're you're absolutely right. I've wanted to go to Wanderers Ground since 2019, and mm-hmm. I need to go to Wanderers Ground. I'm telling you. If if TFC advance, that might that might be worth a trip to Halifax to 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 watch uh, the boys in red. Our Reds take on uh, the HFX side from one of those one of those delicious shipping containers eating eating <laughs> only only food truck food and, and delicious craft beer. So mm-hmm. uh, and and Nathan brings up a very good point. I enjoyed the one soccer production on the draw. It was fun. You know how long. I've had we've listened to people in the know, like serious can, Canadian soccer fans, bemoan that there wasn't a live draw for the Voyagers yeah. Cup, and we had one, and it was it was everything I ever wanted. It was absolutely fantastic. You had Dero and Patrice Bernier just taking shots at each other the entire the entire draw going forward, just yeah. absolutely absolutely trolling each other it was fantastic i have the best screen cap in the world of patrice bernier holding up the tfc thing like just <laughs> pretending that to be any absolutely anywhere else uh what 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 fun um i mean it, it you know this is this is our fa cup and and mm-hmm. it, it just to see it grow and to see these kind of matchups and these and these tilts especially you know, as as the champ, the Champions League starts to, to starts to play fast and loose with their rules and get rid of aggregate math and all that other fun stuff that I love. Um, you know, this this tournament is is amazing, and I'm so excited for another round of it. And and again, it's our it, speaking from as a TFC homer, it's our way into the Champions League. And and you know, until until we win it, I'm going to have a really tough time watching any any MLS team get get far up the scale because that's our trophy. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on the on the V Cup this year? Yeah, I mean, uh, like you said, I think the draw is just a great way to start it. It gets you excited about all the matchups. It, it gives you that hype and it gives you that clarity too. Like now. Uh, again, they were talking to the Guelph United coach on on that broadcast, and now he has that idea that you know his club, if they somehow pure, pull off a miracle win, and let's be mm-hmm. honest, like it would be a pretty big win against HFX Wanderers. Even though, again, Thomas Skublak coming back to play, <laughs> I was back. waiting, yeah. I was waiting, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, and a very good roster. Like I was looking at the Guelph United roster during that matchup. There's a lot of names that you'd recognize. Jace Kostopoulos. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think very good Canadian Premier League player was was on that as well. So, I mean, 
like it just gives you that clarity for the next round and gets you excited about everything and it's a great way to start the tournament i mean yeah draw yeah. draws and everything they're an exciting thing right like they're they they're shouldn't that, be but yeah. they're so exciting like they really you are know, you you know you're like you're seriously too into soccer when you're watching people pull balls out of a out of a yeah. basket and you're like in rapture but at the end of the day i mean you know, we it, it it's something that was necessary, and it and it does mm-hmm. silence a lot of the naysayers from coast to coast that are like, you know, this was awarded for this reason and that mm-hmm. reason. You get to see it played out. You know, I'm, I'm sure people will still have conspiracy theories about you know Dero having the the extra things in his back pocket and <laughs> big old switcheroo or whatever. But but uh, uh, no, Axis. If we lose to Guelph or Halifax, you're not allowed to panic because it's cup football, right? Like you know, anybody anybody on the day can win and you know this this team right now this this toronto fc team are at least good for a half of of interesting football and then one of a complete uh capitulation so who's to say that that you know they won't they won't get get shown uh uh shown up by by uh by a league one ontario side or hfx wanderers who's to say it and i think that's what makes it even more fun speaking of uh then jeff is scaring me Pardon? <laughs> Zen Jeff is scaring me. <laughs> I like Zen Jeff. Zen Jeff is awesome. It's this. It's this top man. It's just so comfy, cozy yeah. that like yeah. I'm just Zen about everything. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking speaking of games that are long overdue, Woo. guess what's happening? Guess yeah. what's happening, Mitch? It's finally happening. Uh, the Can Champ. Uh, yeah, unless Halifax are vastly improved. I mean, Aaron's got a point. Like, I, I'm you know, kind of on the panic side. If they lose to either of those sides, like HFX is not a strong can't be all side. And I mean, Guelph is a League One Ontario team. That yeah, I'm on the panic two side. Two levels below that. us. Yeah. I mean, Guelph's entire operational budget for their entire existence is like less than Lawrence and Signe's plane ticket. But that's besides yeah. the point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know let's get back to the matter at hand because <laughs> we've been talking about it for three years, but yeah. the, the can champ final 2020 is actually happening mm-hmm. and it's going to be amazing. I will be in attendance. Uh, I'm sure you will be as well. Uh, it's going to be, uh, you know, we're going to be spoiled for games that are basically an excuse to celebrate for the next little while. Right. I'm mm-hmm. talking about the Canadian men's national team in a roundabout way. Cause I don't want to jinx it. Um, and I'm talking about this game, right? That you know, there's skin in the game. There's obviously bragging rights. Uh, you know, I'm sure both teams want to win. Nobody wants to lose uh, a, a local. Uh, uh, you know, the first the first iteration of what of what we hope to be a, a pretty massive rivalry. And you know, friend of the show Martin Bailey uh, put this out in a tweet. Holy crap, Tim Hortons Field, man! Are they getting game after game yeah. after game of awesome this year? Like they yeah. are just cleaning cleaning up. Almost to the point where Bob Young and his cohorts, they didn't need to capitulate in 2020 so that TFC could advance advance in that in that iteration of the CCL just so that they would get this game, right? Like they're they're getting games and they're getting gate of their own volition. So uh it it's it's wonderful. And and like I said on off the back of the um of the Canadian USA uh, uh World Cup qualifying match. It's such a lovely ground and it really does mm. feel like Europe. You're right in the middle of this neighborhood and then suddenly you're at the stadium. You know what I mean? You just don't get that uh, anywhere in North America unless you, unless you really try. And uh, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to this game. It'll be so nice to see the two different worlds, my, my forge world and my T. There's so much overlap already, but there, yeah. you know, just to see it, just to see it all, 
all there, you know, everybody in their colors, just, just trying to troll everybody else. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah. I think it's, I think that's basically what it's going to be. It's going to be a hilarious, like troll match. Like I, th- I don't think, yeah, I, I maybe, maybe I'm getting this wrong. Like, but I don't think anyone's going to be taking it immensely seriously again, because it's two years after the, <laughs> the case, like mm-hmm. there's no CCL spot on the line here. Like it just does nope. kind of feel a, a little bit funny. Um, but I think it will be a like again, like you said, another fun day out in Hamilton where we'll yeah, just celebrate how far our game has, has come. And again, the the opportunity, uh, there'll be three billion asterisks on it, but for the Canadian Premier League side to lift the the Voyagers Cup, so um, yeah. yeah, that would be amazing. That's not how I want to see them do it for the for the first time. But I mean, you'll all but it's it. been such a it's yeah. been so weird, you know. I think there'll yeah. be tears at this game because. You know, uh, just just to tell a brief story, like that first trip back to BMO, the 7K game last year, I expected it to be like tears and hugs, but it was really weird because we were still very much in the throes of pandemic time. Nobody knew how to act. You know, the masks were on, so you couldn't recognize anybody. You go in for a hug and people like ran away screaming. So you ended up with the fist bumps and and that sort of thing. So there was like a weird kind of vibe. I'm not saying the pandemic is going to be over in, in July, although, you know, knock on wood, I hope so. But but even if it isn't, just the fact that this game is finally happening and, and the fact that so many of us from the same circles are going to be there, I think it will be that sort of collective exhale that we are hoping for, uh, mm-hmm. f- probably way too early for that for that 7K return to return to the stands. And we're all going to sit around and be and, you know, just just by a consequence of being there in this ridiculous environment, playing a game that should have happened so long ago and then thinking about all that's happened since then to now. I think is going to be a, a very interesting experience, at least for myself. I, I, I can imagine there'll be a moment where I'm sitting there and I'm like, wow, you know, these last couple of years have been really, really interesting. And, and, mm-hmm. and this is, this is what, you know, manifests out of it. And, you know, it's ridiculous, but so has been so much of our lives for the last little while. So I am very much enjoying it. And I, I I'm not going to say it's going to be like, you know, the, the exit interview for COVID, but, but we can hope that things are a lot better by then. Yeah. Wow. That's a beautiful way of summing up that game. And I think a good way to, to end the show here. Um, mm. We've gone on a bunch of different topics today. We went on, <laughs> That's we what went happens on when we tangent. Yeah, just, the, yeah. just the two of us today. So we, we got on to a lot of stuff, but I think, uh, I think a lot of good discussion. And again, I mean, absolutely. I'm excited again for, for the game this weekend. Um, and it's been a, at least more entertaining season so far, I'd say. I mean, you you said it best and you keep saying it in, in private chats and, and on spaces and to pretty much anybody that will ever listen. The team is fun to watch, right? Mm-hmm. It Last year wasn't fun to watch. Certainly the second half felt a little PTSD because we're like, yeah. oh man, <laughs> oh yeah. no. But yeah. but the team the team is fun to watch and, and this not knowing where we're going to end up, you know, uh, it's interesting and and giving and giving and finally blooding our academy you know this mm-hmm. ba- this ballyhooed academy um you know the net positives are fa- are fabulous even if there's mm-hmm. a whole lot of net negatives at the same time right there's no such thing as perfect yep absolutely uh well next week hopefully we'll have uh michael back as well as a special special return guest so you can look forward to that Thank nice. you all for listening. Uh, once again, check out the Twitter spaces that we'll have post DC United match. That's a home game, so it will be the next day as no one wants to hear uh, 
you know, Jeff after he's had all of his ciders in his near <laughs> area. Talk about I'm not even going to be at the at the game oh, this weekend. Wow. I, I'm going on vacation, so oh yeah, right. I may well, enjoy, I may, I may watch there. it, and oh. I may I may just watch the highlights because I'll be mm. busy doing doing music things. Oh, and, and cetera, I love cetera, I, yeah. I love highlights, Jeff, that we're going to get on the show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, my deep in- analysis. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> attacking be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Petrazzo was so 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 good. Again, Nikos, thank you so much for this for this kit, man. Like it's it's a grail kit of mine and and i i was i've been doing backflips all week wearing it around the house checking out my reflection in mirrors and stuff like that so thank you thank you very much you made me a very happy person absolutely we never got the twirl but we still uh we still appreciate uh, the pan and everything else that we got from that kit um mitchell tierney on behalf of jeffrey p nesker till next tuesday oh man <laughs> oh no yeah you had so much fun. <laughs>